Hi, and welcome to A Little Lightning War, where we break down history and media, mostly books, movies, and games, and attempt to tackle the idea that history is boring. I'm your producer, director, and host, Steve Burnich. Welcome back. Um, for those uh, who haven't heard from us in a while, uh, you know, the school year started, so I got a little busy, but now I'm starting to like figure it out, so we're back to recording episodes and getting back to um, giving you the content that you all so so very deeply crave um also a quick note if you have any thoughts comments suggestions or whatever else you can reach me at a little lightning war dot sorry a little lightning war at gmail.com um and that goes directly to me i think i've mentioned before uh the interns all got fired so it's just me reading these emails um then again there's only been a handful so it wasn't that big of a job but i do thank those few of you who've reached out for whatever reason uh tonight i have a uh an old friend of mine uh, a former student um a, someone who uh, we're gonna dive into some wargaming stuff tonight um and i want to welcome spencer brown spencer welcome to the show thanks for having me long time listener yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's been here great. since day one. I love yeah. the podcast. Thanks for having me. No, Good catching I, up. You you are a uh, you were a natural fit. At, you know, as I started to come up with these ideas, I was like, well, I got to have Spencer on, and you know, we we've got our agenda for the night, of course. Um, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're able to put aside some time. Uh, but you know, just to get out the uh, the jitters and the recommendations for the listeners, because I do believe they like to hear them. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? I see on the screen you're. It looks like a big microbrew can, but I'm going to let you talk it through. It is. It's uh, a Tonewood Pale Ale. It's brewed in Oakland, New Jersey, which is not too far from my office. They're okay. actually moving to the same town as like where I work. So, okay, there it's you pretty go. good. You're supporting just the wanted, local. Wanted, yeah, wanted something different, and I okay. just buy based off the label. That's how I roll. You know what? There, there's something to be said about just being like, I think I'll try this without oh. you know <laughs> going too crazy like oh well you know this is an india pale ale and normally i don't like too much hops and blood you know just shut up and try the drink and maybe you like it maybe you don't you're gonna be okay right exactly um, i i mean i think i think that's how you get into it or maybe that's how you become an alcoholic i'm not sure uh, it's a slippery you know, slope either way you're like i don't do, i don't care about the taste i just buy it because it looks cool right right because <laughs> this I isn't need, a problem yeah <laughs> i need an excuse because i need six of them in the next hour uh, you know like that's that's rough I'm drinking, uh, brought it up before the, uh, the Hirsch, uh, Kentucky straight bourbon, um, which is from, oh geez. Well, I forgot where they're from, uh, but they're in Kentucky. It's actually a blend and I really like it. And it has like that sweet, like bourbon for pe some people, some listeners might be like, well, what's the difference between whiskey and bourbon? Like one of the, one of the signatures is that bourbon has to be mostly corn, uh, you know, fermented from mostly corn. And for me, um, and when you can really taste it, like there's a tiny bit of a sweet to it, um, as opposed to a bitter or a pepper. And I like that. So, so cheers to Hirsch, uh, Kentucky straight bourbon. Thank you people. Um, all right. So we're going to, we're going to move it though. Um, everyone knows out there that I'm a big reader and writer and I read like stuff all the time, books, uh, graphic novels, comic books, you name it. Like, um, are you, are you in presently engaged in anything? Uh, reading am, wise, well, I, I count audible as reading cause I do a lot of listening to that at work when I'm driving around and stuff, but I I'm like halfway through that. the third Sanderson book for the stormlight archive. And that's been like, uh, there's times where I'm like, it's okay. And then other times it's like blowing my mind where I find myself like laughing like a child in the truck by myself as like something awesome's happening. I was like, all right, you got me back. Good, good. Okay. So you're enjoying it. I'm loving it. And I okay. also just 
I had an extra credit, so I splurged on the Andy Circus reading of The Hobbit to like listen to when I fall asleep. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. He does such a good job. Just yeah. knocks me out every night. Well, there, well, there you go. See, perfect. Like again, half of this time is for recommendations. I, I have to admit, I started with what is it? Um, Kings of what's Way the of first? Kings. Yeah, Wave Kings. Kings. Wave Kings. Uh-huh. I read it and I was like, yeah, that was good. I didn't love it though, and I felt like not enough really happened. And I know that I'm in the minority here. Like I know that there's people right now with pitchforks and torches, like going to burn down my house because I didn't like this Sanderson book, but I just kind of was like, yeah, all right. It was all right. Um, should I give it another go? I've, I like the second one. I don't know. I, I can see where you're at. There's like times where I'm like, all right, what's going on? Like, let's move this along. And then other times, like I said, where I'm loving it. It's just, I think I needed a diversion. I've been like hardcore into like deep history for like five years on audible. Whereas like, I need like something I don't have to think about when I listen to, you know what? Entertaining. Sometimes being entertained is good enough. And I do agree, by the way, listening to a book counts. Uh, it absolutely counts. That I have to steal this and then we'll move on. But I read, and it might have been Twitter or Facebook or some stupid, it might have been MySpace, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> someone compared uh, the, the Way of Kings to going to an aquarium. Uh, and they were like, it's gorgeous, but you just wish more was going on. You know, <laughs> like a shark comes out. And, and, and I don't know if that was accurate to when I read it, but I think afterwards seeing that comment, I was like, yeah, maybe. Um, I read a terrible book recently. I literally what just finished it. it. Uh, well, it's called Shake Hands with the Devil. Um, and it's written by a guy named Romeo Dallaire. Um, he was the UN force commander on the ground in Rwanda during the genocide. And it was how that all played out from his perspective and the various failures, um, including his own. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he was there mm-hmm. to protect people and keep peace. Uh, and it wasn't for lack of trying, but like, you know, all the failures that really. So that was that was a pretty terrible book. Um, it was very dense. Like I learned a lot, but it was it's not one that I'll be like, oh, in another year, I'll, I'll reread that. It was I learned a lot. And obviously I teach that stuff. So it was good for me to read, but it was, it was, it was heavy uh, to say the least. I'm looking for something lighter next. So we'll see what comes up. I know uh, the feeling. I, yeah. I read this book. It was like, uh, it was called, I don't know. It was, it was about like the high seas fleet in world war one, like the German perspective. Cause I was reading a lot of British ones, but it was just like so dense. I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. They, there were so many things about like the politics of them trying to pass like budget bills where I'm like, I think I bought the wrong book. Maybe, maybe. So wait, you own this book? I paid for it. Uh, send send it up. Send it. I'll have a look. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, because I like uh, budget bills. I'll I'll read that in a second. Uh, no, but the, well, you you're you're bringing us towards tonight's. Uh, you know, tonight's. We're um, yeah, we're getting there. Um, oh my god! And I forgot to introduce you not only as Spencer Brown oh, but also right. as as Dreadnought Miniature Painting on Twitter. Uh, the Scapa Flow nineteen fourteen, which I, I think is one of the best handles. I've seen in a long time. So like we know where we know where you're here. Um, yes. But let's, you know, and for those listeners who are like, what uh, you'll do keep up, uh, you'll figure it out shortly. But so, OK, um, last not least, then uh, what what are you watching? Netflix, movies, whatever. What's what's are you into any shows lately? Is there anything worthwhile? Uh, my girlfriend and I, sorry, fiance and I are Mazel just Tov. started the second season of Westworld. Love the mm. first season. It was awesome. Okay. Taking a little break before we get back into that was binging that. And then I just rewatched Invincible on Amazon Prime because the first time through, I just, it blew my mind. So I had 
that's another one that like after I watched that through, I bought all of the comics, like the collected omnibuses and just read mm-hmm. all like 116 because I just needed to know what was going to happen. I couldn't right. wait for second season. So Why I read through that yep. <laughs> instant satisfaction. I have the Internet just it's right on my iPad. Twenty two dollars later. It's That's done. Perfect. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, it is hard to 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 deal with temptation when these things are right there. Um, I haven't watched Invincible, but I it has been recommended to me multiple times so i think that's something i'm gonna have to dive into i doubt my wife would be into it she likes more realistic stuff so like when we get to like fantasy and sci-fi stuff like i'll just be like well i'll watch this by myself when we <laughs> like she and i are in the middle of of ted lasso have you heard of this i've heard of it my buddy was just talking about it today it's, i gotta it, add it to the list it's really good it's you know there's nothing crazy about it it's just it's just really good like it's just a good show we're in the middle of it i'm enjoying it um i also uh, just recently watched the film uh, Greyhound, which it, again is hearkening to why you're here, uh, which was a really great, great Tom Hanks film um, about the Battle of the Atlantic during World War II. Um, and I thought that was a pretty good movie, although there were some things I had problems with it, but we'll get to that in its due time. So uh, surprise everyone, Spencer is here to talk about naval wargaming. <laughs> so if you've been like, I hope this is the 40K episode, like, no, it's not. I mean, we might talk about it a little like there. We might pepper that in. But Spencer introduced, well, I don't know. I'm going to blame you for the fact that I have the Bismarck um, and, you know, the the Prince Eugen and a couple other battleships downstairs. Like, it's your I, fault. I accept that. I think I just, like, texted you out of the blue yes. just months ago and was like, yo, check out what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I dig it. Like, um, but it was also, well, also some claim has to go to the guys at Little Wars TV out of Pennsylvania. Um, and they talked about um, Fireball Forward and their free rules, their free World War II naval rules, uh, fire at sea. But we're going to we're going to get to that. So let's let's talk about your history first and not like your history. Like first you were born. How did you get into wargaming? Because like I've already revealed, like you were an old student of mine. So I met you at, let's say, like 16, but you were already there. So how did this all start for you? Because I'm fascinated with. Uh, with the origin stories, so to speak, of of this ridiculous hobby that we're in. (laughs) I guess part of the blame goes to my dad, who used to like break out like uh, those old Avalon Hill games, like Tactics 2, Panzer Leader, Advanced Squad Leader, like that kind of stuff. Like I can remember being like nine, 10 years old and, you know, Hunter's like six and my dad's teaching us to play Advanced Squad Leader. And we're both like, I don't understand how this works. He's not even going easy on us, just crushing us. He's like, just get good. Yeah, like learn it, learn it. And you're moving those little tiny little cardboard chits around. And you have to put them back in the right spot. You can't just swipe them all off. And yeah, it was a little traumatic, but it was always just like the history too. Um, And then like there was one summer, uh, we used to do it down at Long Beach Island every summer. They had like the Labor Day, like picnic or like festival or whatever. There was like, you know, like a war gaming store had like a, like a table set up and they're like, Hey, like, do you and your brother want to try out 40 K? And it was like Eldar and, um, space Marines, which are the two armies Hunter and I ended up getting later on. But we were like, yeah, let's try it out. And they just kept it real simple. They're like, Oh, you can move this far, roll the dice. And like, we walked away and we're like, I think we got to get into this. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprisingly addictive and it doesn't take much. Like, you know, the, the crack cocaine was named crack cocaine because of how addictive it was. Right. Like, and how easy it was. Like, I feel like, some of these war games, all you got to do is get someone at the table and get them to play a couple of rounds and they walk away like, all right, it might be expensive, but how am I going to justify this? Because I'm in, you know? <laughs> um, so hold on, back up though. 
there was a wargaming store on LBI. No, it was in Manahawkin, so like oh, on okay. on the mainland. I, All right. We never made it back to the place. I don't know if it's still there or because right, you know, it was like Labor Day. Day. Like we were, we went there and then we like drove home. It's like summer was over. It's like vacation's over. We're going home. Yeah, no, that's the worst feeling. Um, it, having spent many summers at LBI as well, I definitely would have gravitated towards some sort of wargaming store had I known. Um, listeners out there, obviously, this is a New Jersey-based show. Um, yeah, email me if you know of this place. I got to find it. I'll, I'll make a little road trip. It's not a big deal. I happily get in the car and just go places. Um, so, okay. So that makes sense to me, though. Like you and your brother Hunter, who tell him hello, by the way. Um, you get into it as kids. Your dad has you going. Then tell me about high school. Uh, Hunter, again, he's got a lot of blame for this. His friends were getting that into the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, they were playing, the, I guess, the GW Lord of the Rings and like, somebody i think chris bauer was over to play like airsoft or something and like hunter and his friends were like setting up a game and chris was like oh you know like do we got like a club for this at school and i'm like what (laughs) i'm like let's let's go and then like that was it i remember bringing in a couple lord of the rings and then like going to like the only game in town to get like the aragorn model or like just Mm -hmm. one thing because it's i didn't i didn't have a job so it's like mom like i need $25 $25 for this tiny piece of for a piece of pewter. She's yeah. like, uh, hopefully this doesn't stick as a hobby. Yeah. Well, that's, we all know what, how that works. Um, so, okay. See, I didn't know that that's how you got sucked into that little club. Cause sci-fi club, I mean, my memory of it was, it was a D and D club, right? Yeah. And, that's how it started. And people kind of came and went and that was cool. I became the faculty advisor, which by the way, I thought was the biggest steal ever. I was like, so they're paying oh, yeah. me. I mean, they're paying me this much, very little, yeah. but I get to play D and D once a week. I was like, wow. Like old high school me was like, yes. Um, and then it was Sam. I don't know if you remember Sam Abukowski. Um, and I doubt he's listening, but if he's out there, he brought in a 40 K model and, uh, and it was beautifully painted. I mean, he, he was an excellent painter and suddenly, and he's kind of brought in like, you know, whatever it was, 10 space Marines and 10, whatever else. And he just kind of like, did like, kind of like those guys did at the the game store, like here, roll the dice. You can move six inches or whatever. And I remember being like, oh my God, oh my God, I want to do this. Um, like D and D was out the window because I didn't have to do any, you know what I mean? Here I was like coming up with all sorts of like campaigns for you guys. But now all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I just need to show up with some toys. Like that's easy. Um, and it became, I mean, from there, then it went like, I remember we had Lord of the Rings going. I was disappointed yep. in the first rendition of Lord. Of, I'm totally into Lord of Rings now. Like, but that's also what four editions later. So we'll talk about that. But I remember being like, wow, that was really awesome. And your sister got into it too. Um, and, and Hunter was a little young. Like I was on my way out by the time Hunter came along. Um, but like just the Warhammer stuff, the 40 K and those, those idiots at the games workshop store, let me as a beginner buy Imperial guard without warning me, like you're going to hate yourself for playing this. Like they're so cool. Cause I'm always in every army I ever take. I very often try to be, especially in something like that, like science fiction or whatever, I don't know. I always try to be the regular guy, you know, like you can all be the superheroes. I want to be the regular guy. And that was Imperial Guard. But I didn't realize how stacked the game was against Imperial Guard. And like, I wish they just said, like, here, just buy Space Marines. You're going to be happier and then figure it out down the line. Everyone's going to everyone's going to hate you. 
Yes. But you're going to have fun. Them. Right. See, so now, and this is, this is a, uh, I'm throwing a bone to my one listener in Mississippi. Uh, and that's true. He knows who he is. If I ever do 40K again, I'm going Death Watch Space Marines. Like, I've already decided. Like, that's like, I've got to. it planned. Um, that doesn't mean I'm doing it, though, Sean. So chill. All right. Just relax. Um, but so, but okay. So we've got Lord of the Rings, which was just out. The movies were just out because that was early 2000s. We've yep. got 40K going. Um, we've got Dungeons Dragons going. So how did. How did you make the? Because you're not here to talk about those things. Although we can talk about whatever you'd like. How did you make the jump to naval wargaming? Like you know, I mean, literally, like to me back then, if you asked me, I'd be like, "So what? It's battleship." Like, all right, I'll open my thing and I'll put my little guys and I'll put my pegs in. Like that's naval wargaming to me. How how did you make this jump? And that that's what I want to hear about. Well, that's what I always thought too. Like you know, like airplanes are cool because you yeah. get that. I think like a lot of it is that. It's that one-on-one sort of like the gunslinger, like it's, you know, guys against guys. Like you can see your enemies and like soldiers on the ground and like airplanes is one-on-one, like honorable duels. And then you're like, it's just like a big boat with guns. Like there's only, you know, like what are these people doing? Like, that's not that cool. <laughs> it's just like, to, you know, at the time, it just wanted like a bunch of machine guns, a bunch of explosions, right? not have to think too hard. Well, Flames and of War then, filled that too for us uh, back and, then yeah. and still does. And I mean... I mean that's a whole different sorry keep going well, that was like the end of like you know sci-fi club was like we went through the warhammer fantasy and then we all finished up on flames just like building these like armies and like you guys touched on it in the last podcast where eric was like you were talking about how like he used to play where he would just be like i'm the americans i can't lose and then would just like he try and fight tiger tanks and he's like <laughs> what is happening Eric, Eric went through a, a very like a demoralized time for a while because because like and, and listen, you got to hand it to Eric like he wanted to play Americans. He was stubbornly sticking to it. But unfortunately, for the longest time, Eric was also sticking to some sort of like belief that his armored units were going to win long range duels with even Panzer Force, like not not even Tigers and Panthers like. Um, and he'd usually get banged up and he would, he would be very upset. Um, now granted flames brought out rules for, you know, stuff later in the war. Like he could start bringing, you know, Jackson tank destroyers, uh, and Pershings like up armored up gun stuff that could go toe to toe with the German heavies. Uh, but for the longest time, like you have to hand it to him. Like he wanted to play Americans and that was what he was going to play. And he still does like, it's not changed. Um, but that, but, but, but still like, yeah, the same thing. Like, but so naval wargaming was not something I would have expected out of all. Cause like the scenery, like you don't need any scenery. I mean, if anything, it's such a cheaper alternative. Oh, like, yeah. How great. Just throw a blue blanket on the table and you're good to go. <laughs> do you remember the felt blankets that I would have for sci-fi club? I they do. Were... And like our scatter terrain would come in with like something we made out of styrofoam from right. something our parents ordered. Like, so excited. Like, look at this. And everyone yeah. was just like, yes, yes, yes. It was looking back. It was such garbage. It was, we played with such garbage. <laughs> like those felt things would get caught on all the bases of our miniature. Like we loved it. I, I think we it built didn't, something. It didn't matter. We, in our imaginations, we were like, this is the greatest club I've ever been in. Yes. Well, again, I remember also thinking triumphantly once I turned you guys onto flames, I was like, I'm a history teacher in charge of the sci-fi club that now plays a historical war game. Like that was a little, I think I earned like a level up or I got a badge or something, you know, like somewhere for that. But so, but so in all seriousness though, how did you discover naval war gaming? Cause it wasn't during the club like that, that happened after you graduated. 
what happened? Where'd you get it? Because meanwhile, I want to talk about this. Like, I want to talk about my own whatever. But you go first, please. It was, uh, you know, went through the usual, like a lot of people do. You go to college, you don't play as many war games because you're in a dorm trying to meet girls, trying to be cool, all that stuff. And then you get a little older, you get a job, get some money, and then... And it comes back. Yeah. And then you're like, I need a hobby. So I was like getting back into flames. But then for Christmas one year, I got a Kindle. And on like the day of, I'm like, I'm going to like, let me get like a book, like something I haven't really like, you know, like, so let me start reading a book. It's like, ah, uh, like battleships are cool. They are. But just like, I just searched like naval warfare on like the Kindle library. And like one of the ones I settled on was Castles of Steel by Robert K. Massey, Macy, M-A-S-S-I-E. I'm not sure. And but- just like, he's got such like a, it's very like, it's not dense. It's got a lot of historical stuff, but like the narrative and like the driving of it, like you can, in your mind's eye, I'm like, he's describing like, you know, at the time these ships were like, for the people at the time, it'd be like a Star Destroyer, like the most modern, the most impressive technology. And just like him describing them, like fighting these battles at sea with like no computers, no radar. The British aren't even using radios to communicate. They're still using flags like Nelson did like (laughs) hundreds of years before. And like those spotlights, right? Yeah, in these ships that are going like unheard of speeds from like throughout history and just like using quick math and like hitting shots at like thousands of meters, like 19,000 meters, like shooting miles. And I was like, this is awesome. So you got hooked by this because I just wrote a Castles of Steel, um, probably an older publication, right? But I'm going to I'm going to have to take a look because you you've you've. You've created much like I got you hooked into flames all those years ago. Like I, I now have this like little like l- look. I'm totally into like all the games I play, but like yesterday I was painting up the oceans on my look. I've got four naval miniatures. Literally, I've got four boats. Okay, it's nothing. My collection is nothing compared to some people. But I was like, I'm gonna make this ocean look awesome. Like I really <laughs> like, and it, every war gamer out there right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like suddenly this like this flow is is in me and i need to get it done um but then but like you're not playing with a lot of people so you just started collecting and just enjoyed the the collection i haven't played this game with anybody yet i started i bought my first models in 17 okay and i made like very early on i made like a google sheet like a spreadsheet to keep track of because i decided like i want to collect literally every ship that fights at jutland i was like i'll just collect both sides and like eventually someone will feel bad for me and they'll play with me I, I will play with you. I don't feel bad for you. Um, so I just I yeah. just started collecting like a little bit at a time because, you know, the models aren't that expensive. You could buy a couple and then just like paint them up over a couple of days and then add them to the collection, check them off. And I was always just like and I bought because when I was reading the book, like I was they're describing these ships. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. So I bought Jane's fighting ships of World War One because they'd be like, oh, it's an Orion class. And I'm like looking up like, what does this thing even look like? Right, right. And now I'm like, I, I love that you have everything right there ready to go. You're in, yeah, you're in my wargaming space. This is where I have just books are open and I'm just like, I also have my other favorite tool, which is, I got it from Sal. One of these. I don't know what I'm, oh. uh, Like a micrometer or whatever this is. Right, right, right. And what do you use that thing for? When I'm like measuring, do like conversions to like make sure like the seaplane carrier, like nobody made the model for like the Engadine, like the only seaplane carrier at like the Battle of Jutland. So I like made my own. Oh but God. I wanted it okay. to be the correct size. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fair. I mean, look, we we obsess over these things. The fact that you made your own, like, that's awesome. See, okay, you're down the rabbit hole way farther than me, but it's like, it's just a matter oh, of I'm, time. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah I'm gone. gone. It's just... How did you settle on World War One too? Like, I, I have to be honest, like, there's something about World War One 
and you know me, I'm a big World War II guy. And like, how many people, how many dudes like my age I out was there forever. Like, oh, I'm a big World yeah. War II guy? Like, everyone is, okay, fine. Like, it's overdone. It's a stereotype. But I'm fascinated with World War One in a way that, like, everything about it, like, in part because, I mean, look, I'm a history teacher, right? We don't cover World War One the way we cover World War Two and other stuff. Like, it just doesn't get the detail or the attention. Um, it's so cool and so interesting. And I started, I've started researching World War One more and more. Like, I haven't wargamed anything about World War One. World War One, unless you unless you count Battlefield One, which was kind of love that game. Yeah, no, it's a great. It. Game. I mean, it it's wasn't like realistic, but just. It, it just it had the vibe and it, it did it, had it for the vibe. Me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It wasn't realistic at all. You had to like all the history people kind of had to just table their complaints and be like, yeah, but you know what? It looks cool. I, I completely agree. It had the vibe. Um, in a lot of ways, I miss that game, even though I, just, I, I still have it. I could just go play it, but I haven't played it for so long. It's, it's not the same. I tried logging on. My kid wanted to try it. So like he logged on and just the only people still playing it are the ones that are just never stopped and just it's not fun you're just getting sniped immediately okay, so and that's like, no fun. I'm, I'm i'm done i'll they play the campaign it. i rebeat rebeat the campaign because i was like this is cool okay well there, there's something there and and there that's why you always want a good campaign on your video games um but so but so how did you get into world war one because again i think it's not the typical like if you're going to get into war gaming and you're historical i feel like here in the united states at least you're either doing world war two or you're doing civil war. Like that's what draws people. Right. And then they expand like, Oh, I'll look up Napoleonics or I'll do Romans or, or whatever. Like, I feel like world war one is this undersung, not touched thing uh, that has so much potential. So tell me how you found it. Like aside from, I mean, obviously these naval war games brought it, but like you love it. And like, to the point where you're creating things for the battle of Jutland, explain. Please. Yeah. Again, it goes back to my dad, like he, him letting me watch like Lawrence of Arabia when I was young. And just like, that's still one of my all time favorite movies, but just like, I think just sparked something in me that like that turn of the century, like still like the industrial age. And just that, like there's new technology, but it's like older tactics, but not old tactics and like the uniforms. And it's just like the death of the old empires meeting modern war. And then just like, nothing else is the same afterwards. There was like, I was listening to the um, hardcore history podcast, Dan Carlin. He did like a five part series on world war one. And he said like, you know, you can go back like before, like before world war one, you could have like different armies throughout history, like fight the generation before. And like, you'd have chances to like win. Like you could have like a Napoleon's army fight, like an American civil war army. And like, he, he could still win. Stuff. Yeah. Right. But he's like, you go to world war one and anyone before that is not beating that and after that it's just like well after that i mean you know you've got the 20th century and a, and a true century of of arms race um i like that okay so another like look we're plugging a lot of people today we're plugging uh dreadnought miniatures painting that's you uh, that's me we got castle of steel uh we got uh dan carlin hardcore history that that's another yep. podcast i mean competing but i think he's doing a little something else so that's i uh, you know i'll allow it i think listeners should go see that he's probably a lot better than this one let's be honest i mean this is you know this, this is has you got guys. the vibe this, this has got this has got the this is like the you're sitting around having a beer with your buddy a little lightning war is definitely a war gaming uh podcast I, I i talk a big game about history and obviously we're talking about a lot of historical topics but like the people who are coming and repeat listeners are the war gamers uh that's what i've found they're not listening for like the movie episodes and stuff which is too bad because there's a lot of great movies um but like i mean my opening 
my opening uh, episode was 1917. That got a lot of listeners. That movie, uh, and I'm sure you, like, what a fantastic film that brought World War One to everybody. In a way, it, it like, I, I won't say it out Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, that, that'd be a little bit too much, but it absolutely did for World War One what Saving Private Ryan did for, for World War Two, in my opinion. A- absolutely. That, I think that was also one of the last movies I saw before like the pandemic hit. I, like, I remember leaving the movie theater with my two friends and like I'm in the backseat. We're driving to get dinner and, you're and, like, I'm, on my, on and I'm on my phone. I'm, I'm Googling like World War One 28 millimeter figures and right, like, already right. doing research. Like I'm like, this is my next project. Like I'm in. Yep. We're doing it. Yep. Um, and they have good. There are some good ones out there. I don't know because I don't collect them. But but again, it's a slippery slope. But so but so back to the naval wargaming because I again like I'm I'm trying to promote this one as a naval wargaming. Although I think we might have a we might have to do a little a separate one on World War One because we keep we keep hitting World War One and it's a fascination. I can't help myself. No, it's fine. I'm with you on that, and it's so undersung. Like there's such good books on the topic. There's not that many movies. The BBC did a great ten part documentary on it. Um, but you got to sit through it. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. slow. It's, you know, you got to know what you're getting into. But so like, so now fast forward, you've reached out to me a couple of months ago and like, Hey, we're, I'm getting back in touch with Spencer. This is cool. Like, you know, I feel great. Uh, you know, magic of Facebook or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Then the guys at little wars TV do an episode that probably wasn't one of their big ones. Like they've got some great episodes. And again, for those who are listening, if you haven't watched little wars TV on YouTube, like those guys are dedicated war gamers. Like they Fantastic. do, they, they do all sorts of different games, all of them historical, um, their production values, like their videos are fantastic. Like they're just, they're fan, you know, they're, they're great. And they're not too far from here, by the way, but that's, me, me dropping into one of their sessions uninvited is, you know, the subject of a later podcast. Um, we could make this happen. We, we could just got to get happen. it out there. Exactly. I I have to get to Historicon once everything Same. is over. I've decided it's, it's been on my list for years. Like, it's always around my birthday. I'm like, I'm just going to go one year. Yeah, no. I'm just, just going to go bring a bunch of money and just be like, whatever I buy doesn't get talked about. Yep, it gets thrown in the car. Um, the group up here, Phil, Eric, and and Bruce and I have have thrown it around, but we all agree. Like, let's just wait till this is all over. Like, I've gone to a couple of local, like the New Jersey cons, and I had a blast at those. And and again, it's been a long time, and it's you know it's hard to schedule. We all have kids, and we have things, and you know, um, but so Little Wars TV does this thing um, from it's it's Fireball Forward is the name of the company, and if you go to fireballforward.com. Uh, it's like this one guy and his homegrown set of naval rules called fire. It's uh, fire at sea. Yes. Fire at so. sea. Yeah. Um, and it's like the free version is if you just want to do the battle of Denmark Strait, which is the Bismarck and the Prince Eugen against um, the two British ships. I forget which ones. Hood um, and I should know this. I bought it. Yes. Maybe Hood, well, it Hood the is the one that it. sinks explodes Explode. yeah no because of the shot on the magazine um well and the other one but then i mean for twenty dollars you get the rest of his naval rules which is really it's really perfect for you spencer and for me now because i'm in in that it's like the early it's like the 1939 through 42 battle of the atlantic it's the british and the german navies the americans are not really a part of this yet um 
that's what's going on. And like, it's a free set. And then once you're in with the free, it's twenty dollars for this rule. Nothing set. to upgrade. Nothing. It's it's literally and it's nothing. Just rolling. Yeah. Um, and he's got you know character cards based on your admiral, um, or the captain of the ship. The ships all have different um profiles. Um, here we yeah, it's fire at sea, not fire by sea. Sorry, I haven't. I'm looking at my notes. Um, and it's fireballforward.com. Um. But like, but then also in this Little Wars TV video, they brought up how to do this really cheap. And I was like, oh, cheap, I'm in. Uh, you know, and they they mention uh, Panzerschiff models, which, you know, a battle, Bismarck was seven bucks. The it's, Prince Jugend yeah, was six. Like, I was like, all right, I'm in. Like, there's not, and I bought some basing material. And now I'm a naval war gamer, even though, like you, I've never played. But I think we have to make this happen. And that's the funny thing, by the way. Like, I've played war games with Spencer, but not in over a decade. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, like I haven't seen you physically in such a long time, even though we're only two hours from each other. We have to make this happen and get this game going, whether it's I'll play Battle of Jutland. You'll have to teach me. Uh, what's the rule set you use for the World War One? Uh, it's general quarters. That's right. Is like the overall one uh, fleet action imminent is the name for like the World War One version because they got a World War Two version also. And I believe GQ three. They review those rules on um, Little Wars TV when they do the Guadalcanal campaign on that outdoor game. I don't know if you've watched that one, but I haven't watched that one because it's longer and it's just when like I, I really need to like I've been like, all right, I got to watch that one. Uh, not right now. Right. Like I haven't watched it yet. So fleet fleet action. That's right. You you sent me that link uh, yep. to, to fleet action. That's right. And I knew it was general quarters, but it was like a special World War One version. Like I got to dive into these things like it's too bad the summer's over. Uh, yeah, because like, like I, I needed to do this. I needed to be a little bit more organized. Now, granted, I started a podcast, so that's cool too. But like, you know, I should have just been diving into wargaming rules. Let's be honest. You know, yeah, again, it? just I just buy them because there's those sites where you can just you know buy the digital and print it out, and I just like send it to the FedEx place and pick it up on my way home, and then stick it in the binder. And sometimes I bring it back out, and I'm like, oh, maybe. Maybe I'll try pre-dreadnoughts, you know, like maybe we'll do like late 19th century stuff. And then it's like, eh, let's finish the project I have first. Yeah, well, that that is a problem. I, I fall into that all the time. I, but but that's like, that's the thing. Like, I love the idea because I bought these World War II things because, again, I told you I'm a World War II guy. Again, I hate it when I say that because every dude out there is like, oh, I'm a big World War II guy. Like, no, you're not. Just because you read one book doesn't mean you know jack shit you know like it's, it's, it's just, like the one that gets like a lot of people into it you know especially for like people it doesn't raise a lot of like moral quandaries of like who is the good guys and who's the bad guys it's right. got real real clear set boundaries on like who was trying to do the right thing so it's easier for you i feel not that it's easy to get into because it gets deeper well the, obviously the, gets, the yeah. more you read about yes. it but it's just like on the surface just from like movies and stuff you're like german's bad Americans good. Yeah. Like that's a now comfortable we know. zone. Yeah. Now we know. Uh, obviously the more you dive in, the more you see that it's, you know, it's shades of gray. Um, You're well, like, and the, and the, listen, is everybody bad? Yeah. Like, so we're all bad people. Um, <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah, exactly. I'm scared. Like, why did I do that? And of course the Holocaust opens up a whole nother, like let's not even. Um, but I like what you said about the world war one stuff too. Like this whole, it's old technology with new, um, there, there's a real change in the world for those people at that time. And and the history guy in me, never mind the wargaming, set that on the shade. Like the history guy in me is like, oh, I need, I need to know more. I need to learn more. And I've got all this, 
you can't see it, but there's this whole bookshelf behind me of like World War II stuff and some fantasy, of course, because I'm a big nerd regarding that. But like the World War One thing, I think like that's the next like undiscovered country of not just war gaming. And I know like Flames of War tried it, but it was just infantry. But like it wasn't too it wasn't I don't believe it was well received. But like maybe the naval battles is the way to get in. Like I just I'm fascinated with the whole thing. I'm also fascinated with the naval battles because they're so easy. Like you said, like I just need a blue felt piece of garbage, uh, you yeah. know, tarp, and uh, and and we can go. Um, and you can just set up a table, and you can do. There's like so many. Like once you start reading about it, there's you don't have to do full fleet engagements. There's like the Battle of Coronel and the Falkland Islands, where it's just like two or three ships on each side doing like a chase, which makes it even easier. Cause if you're on the table, you know, if you're chasing whoever's faster, just slowly moves forward. You don't have to move the other ones. Like there's no real movement, just like left and right. Right. And you can just like, you can pick and choose. There was a whole bunch of crazy stuff that happened throughout the war. Like you don't have to just be like, let's line up everything. And I also like, there's a whole bunch of like the what ifs because like the Kaiser didn't want to let the fleet out all the time. And like after Jutland, the losses they took, he's like, no, never again. Like we're not leaving. There was never again, like that full engagement. Like what would have happened if after the Americans entered the war also, and like the fifth battle squadron, which was like the USS Texas and a couple other like American dreadnoughts had like joined the British fleet and like fought the high seas fleet again, when they'd gotten like their, their super dreadnoughts online, like what would have happened? So there's like a lot of that. What if, where you can be like, let's, let's try some other stuff. Right. Which is just like, you left me like unfulfilled, like the battle is exciting and all this stuff happens, but you're still just like, I wanted like the battle at the Death Star where like one side clearly lost. But in the same thing with like World War One, there's like that Shades of Grey where it's like tactical victory. But did they win the battle? Right, right. Well, it's hard to know, too. I mean, you then have to I mean, I think my feeling of 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 naval war gaming is is very much uh, in this case, like flames, like I'm going to take. You know, the, you know, Flames is, you know, is a company based uh, thing like so you kind of have to picture like you're you're just looking at one little slice of a larger battle going on. Um, I feel like the naval war game, unless you literally are, you know, doing one of these what ifs with, you know, these massive amounts, you're just doing one engagement um, of these ships, which is why, I mean, you know, again, fireball forward put put, put out, you know, the battle of Denmark Straits four ships how to get into this in, in, you know, a very easy, cheap, quick way, which of course I'm a sucker for. Um, but you can see just by the, the, the conversation, like, I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, like I'm teetering <laughs> like, all right, so what am I going to buy next? And like, all of a sudden, you know, like I want to stay world war two cause that's my jam, but like the world war one stuff really calls to me. And, and again, like that's the history guy in me. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how these, and meanwhile, I just I'm starting to build my second Lord of the Rings army, you know, like I, I'm bit I'm bitten big by and, and maybe it's because I'm getting to an age where nostalgia plays an outsized portion of my emotions. But like before I was a history guy, I was definitely just like a Star Wars and Lord of the Rings nerd. Right. And so yep. here I am, like now all these Lord of the Rings models and look like so masterfully envisioned by the Jackson films um, and GW gets the rights. And like, I want to do all those things and they've got all these books and they've got all these models. It's, it's a little bit of a slippery slope, um, which I guess is war gaming in general. Um, but, but again, like I kind of like, I 
grabbed this like naval wargaming stuff from Panzerschiff because, and that's Panzerschiff just exactly how you would think to spell it Panzer and then S C H I F F E dot com. Uh, and this poor guy, like, I ordered my models from and he missed one. And so I emailed like, hey, I ordered four and you only sent me three. He goes, yeah, it's been crazy lately. Like it's one guy, you know, making these printed models. Yep. Um, and, you know, he's getting all this stuff from Little Wars TV and now this, which won't be nearly as much, obviously. But um, he does World War Ones as well. Like so like I'm 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 standing literally on a cliff of like, how far do I let this go? Or do I just it's, not look back and recognizing that naval wargaming is probably the cheapest of wargaming? It's it's dangerous because, like I said, like I have a spreadsheet that tracks when I bought stuff, when I painted it, and whether or not I want to eventually replace it with a better looking model. And I also have a breakdown of like which site has the cheapest ones. Like you want to get destroyers for World War One, you get them from the Viking Forge. It's another site that like you're only paying a dollar forty a model instead of like a dollar. 80 or whatever but that adds up when you need 75 destroyers to refight the battle of jutland do you need do you need that many destroyers for jutland it's a lot it is a lot that's that's a lot lot. so so that leads to my next question how many naval models do you have uh i wonder if i can do a count i mean it doesn't have to be exact you do have a spreadsheet oh yeah that's what i'm saying are you a big excel guy you're a big excel guy uh, we're, I use Google a lot at work, so okay. it's all Google sheets, basically the same it's thing. Same but thing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Do you worry that state. Google will shut down and you just lose everything? No, I just worry <laughs> that my fiance will find this no, the, okay, when I die. She can't listen like, to the podcast. What did you tell her like, we're doing tonight? Like, I'm just going like, to be I'm, talking. I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. It has and nothing like, to oh, do with. That'll be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't know for sure. It's got to be. 200 something wow. probably between the two between the high seas fleet and the grand fleet yeah been working through the the high seas fleet is easier because it's smaller mm-hmm. and i started with the battle cruisers because for me like they were like the coolest ships you know right. like this almost like flawed design from the start like lightly armored but super fast but like it also does sort of work in what they're supposed to do if they weren't in like the line of battle and were just used for scouting and like Fisher had points on like why it would work. He's an insane person, but like the battle cruisers worked when you use them for what they were meant to do, which was chase down cruisers and just absolutely pummel them. Like at the battle of the Falkland islands where like two British battle cruisers of the invincible class just chased down like pretty, pretty new, like armored cruisers from like the Germans, but that were outclassed in like speed and mm-hmm. like gun size. Like they had like 9.2 inches on like the cruisers and like these, battle cruisers have like 12 inch guns okay. and their range is so much far they're just pummeling them from range just absolutely <laughs> destroying them so you wouldn't want them like in a battle line so to speak like if you're just going toe to toe these are like your skirmishers your flankers your something like that you know to put it in different terms uh again because i'm a i'm a i'm a naval newbie here but i need i've got some yeah, reading they, to do <laughs> they should be used for scouting and like luring in the enemy like they were used by um bd used them to like lure the high seas fleet north in the run to the North, like lured the fleet up. Cause they didn't know that <clears throat> they didn't know the British were at sea long story short, because the British were intercepting their transmissions and we're like, we know where you're going to be. And just like lures them into the grand, the grand fleet. And like, there's a great line in that, like castles of steel, which is, that's when I was like, I have to buy this. It's like, <laughs> you know, like the commander, I think it's um, sheer. 
Admiral mm-hmm. Shears, like, you know, he's chasing them and all of a sudden, like, they like emerge from like the smoke and they just like see the entire horizon is just lined with like the entire grand fleet. And he's like, and I just see like the entire horizon just explode as like, they just open up. They all just open fleet. up and just, and he's just like, man. Yeah. Like- and it was just, and that's what I was like. I need every ship. I want to refight this. I was like, <laughs> if it's big enough where then you can have people that have like, you know, roles, you can have people in charge of like battleships, different divisions of like the fleet. And you got to talk to each other through orders and like, fight it with people not just like it would be awesome right Everyone well it's like a division say, and you've got like a commander that's just like is in a different room right like and just like he gets the written orders like what do i do i i was just gonna say this sounds like the the size of a conflict that would work very well at a convention uh with multiple tables or you know some some sort of like you know bigger um bigger hierarchy of who's moving the models and who's in charge uh, you know look i mean you're free to design it uh and you know get it going uh, you know clearly you've already done plenty of the legwork i i love the idea i i shamefully will admit as you described that scene where did my mind go not to history not to anything but to the last star wars uh when you know the battle of of what's the stupid planet that the the I can't think of it. That Palpatine is actually still alive. I forget the I, name. I know it's... it begins with an E. Um, you know, and and Endor. Uh, and they're and they're it's done, the Ewoks, right? right, right. Yeah. No, not the Ewoks. Not the, I know, I know, I know, um, I know. And Poe Dameron is like, well, we tried, and then Lando shows up with you know the fleet of the entire universe shows up. It, it in a very dramatic moment, but but in this case, like I don't know you've got this real world version of, of the German fleet suddenly realize, Oh, we're trapped, you know, and we're, we're kind of in trouble here. Um, I love that Uh, again, like you, but you need the right people to add to the drama, to these things. Otherwise, and and this is not really a knock on Naval war gaming, but like a lot of the other games we play, the flames, the 40 K Lord of the Rings. Uh, You haven't tried saga, but you're going to love saga when you try. Uh, you know, all these other games. Yep, There's I, another I one. I need to play it. Just, yeah, just, just, <laughs> just, well, just add it to my list. <laughs> okay. But they, the visual, I think as war gamers, there's something very visual about it. And that go- brings me back to like when I went from D&D, right, in, in Sci-Fi Club to like Sam showing up with these stupid 10 Space Marines and me knowing right then and there, I was like, I have to ask my wife if I can do this. <laughs> I need to do this because I need to do because I'm going to, I just need to figure out a way to make it. Okay. Uh, you know, and I think that's, well, you know, again, that describes all war gaming, but the visual appeal of some other games could easily drown out naval war gaming, whether it's world war one or world war two or, or modern even, or whatever, uh, because it is just a plain blue table or, you know, like maybe with islands and it is just battleships. Um, which in one way is great because it's easy. You you can hook people in. It's very easy. Like, all right, your ship moves this many. It, it has this range, you know, very basic. And that's what, that's what, um, fire at sea has a very basic fire mechanic. I don't know how deep you've gone into it, but it's re- literally, you know, your ship shoots. There's no difference between 16 inch and 12 inch guns. They don't, you know what I mean? Like it's a very basic mechanic. You throw this many dice. It's, it's really your entry into naval wargaming. So again, like I'm, I'm an infant at this. Um, but that's kind of, uh, 
if you're looking at the visual thing, you then look at someone who's created, you know, a, a, a bridge too far battle of Arnhem table with a bridge and all yeah. this, you know, there's a visual appeal to that. That's like, wow, I need to do this. And then there's 40 K which with all its science fiction and, and all of that stuff or fantasy, of course, like again, the Lord of the Rings stuff for me is just a nerd's delight. And, and I don't apologize for it. Um, and there you go, nor should I. So take no, that. Absolutely yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, no. Um, but I love the fact that I'm, you know, spending money on this stuff, but like, Oh, a couple of battleships, like, it's for $35. I can have a couple more ships and just keep going with this. Like it's so easy to do. And that's why I am slowly becoming a naval war gaming person. You've got me hooked on the world war one now too. So like, damn it. I'm, I'm sorry, Spencer. but it's just, it's the visual for me. Like, you know, they're like, they run on coal and like, I mean, the most modern ones are starting to use like fuel oil, but it's like a modern war being fought and like just, black coal smoke like you can see from the horizon like that's how you spot like enemies like before radar it's like hey there's a smoke cloud over there like let's go see if there's a ship because like how do you hide that you can't hide it burning tons of coal yep which is a problem in the future but not right away well that brings me a problem for them (laughs) yes it's not a well but also then like okay i'm let's let's take scenes out of greyhound now okay like let's 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 touch on greyhound and then let's you know try to try to put a cap on this um Tom Hanks plays, you know, the the captain of the Greyhound, and and I enjoyed it uh, for what it was. I felt like, you know, it was interesting that this movie was only released on Apple TV. It wasn't, there wasn't a huge story. Like, it was just like, this is what happened, you know? Like, there wasn't drama or anything um, in terms of character development or anything like that. But fine, forgive it. It was a really great naval battle movie. Like, I I think already I'm due for a rewatch because I loved the visuals. But, you know, he says all ahead full. And on a World War II ship, you know, that just happens. Like, more fuel is inserted into the engines, into the combustion engines. Um, well, there were diesel. Yeah, they were st- still operating. On sure, yeah. So, yeah, it's same thing. You just you hit the throttle and, you, it and you goes. you go. In, in World War I navels, you know, the captain says, all ahead full. And now these, like, coal-stricken dudes, like, just covered in dust are like, we have to shovel faster now. All of us. And there's probably, like, a hundred of them down there just shoveling coal into these burners and i'm sure they had somewhat automated things but again like i don't they have, shoveled it they shoveled it they all. shoveled like i don't they have a shovel understanding it, yeah. of what was mechanized in 1916 and what was done by hand and look i'm a history teacher but you can't know everything you know well, so you, like you don't you don't teach the naval arms race in like high school especially yeah. like it's very eurocentric like you're not gonna be like all right so this is very important to the lead up to war frankly i would like to teach that I would I would like to teach that. It might not be in the curriculum, um, but it's certainly look. It's history and it's STEM. STEM is all or and STEAM is all big these days. Uh, so there's technological uh, aspects in there. Um, but yeah, so I didn't even think of the of the coal smoke. Uh, you've really are uh, you've really it's, hit in the, in a, I'm, in I'm sorry, but no, it's fine. It's it gets crazy. Hey everyone, I, I'm buying na- World War One navels next. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Yeah. Welcome. Well, there it is. Well, again, we haven't played yet, so again, it's all conjecture. Like, I'm, I'm sitting as I told you before we started recording. Like to to those listeners, like, okay, so I have these four German Kriegsmarine boats: the Bismarck, of course, the Prince Eugen, and then the the Scharnhorst, and the other one I can't pronounce. Um, uh, right now, nice now. Yes. See, I nice. Yeah, the nice how, nice how. Good nice now. Good nice now. Yeah, my yeah. German was. He nice was a general. 
Germans had no naval heroes before 1914, so they named all their ships after generals. I was wondering. I, I noticed that, and I wasn't exactly sure. All right, so the Knights have a naval the Prince Eugen, and of course the Bismarck. Um, those are the four models I have. I'm sitting here obsessing on how to make the bases. I haven't even started painting the ships yet. I'm sitting here trying to get the right shade of ocean. Um, and, and as I told you, Spencer, before we started, like it's a little too Caribbean or Pacific. I want like a Baltic, North Atlantic gray, and and I'm I I need to I might need to like redo it, and that's you know it's in some way or just darken it up somehow. Um, you could probably wash it. I, I probably wash. will wash it. It's a little too blue right now, but again, I'm not done, so we have to see. But maybe a wash before I then put like the lighter, you know, dry brushing on it. I think might work. Um, or I might ruin them. But then again, it's only four ships. Like it's not. I could just I spray can just paint them and start over. Yeah, start over. <laughs> I guess it's not too bad. Um, I think we tend to obsess with our colors as war gamers and really want things to be perfect. But you can always just wash it off and and, and start over. I don't know. What do you think? Or, or am I, I being... No, you you can wash it off and start over. And like, I'll start out where I want to be like super accurate. And like, I'll eventually I just get to like a style where it's like, this is sort of what I'm going to do. Like I was looking up like exactly the colors of like the German versus the British fleet. And the, you know, reports are different. There's not a lot of color photos. And I just decided like to make it easier for like teaching people because I'm going to need to get people to play this with me. I was like, I will paint the German ships a slightly lighter color of sea gray and the British will be a darker color. So just if they, cause no one else is going to know like the class of ship. Like I'm going to be like, Oh yeah. Like that's a, uh, that's the side blitz. That's a, uh, that's the Durflinger. And they're right. going to be like, so which one do I move? Yeah, exactly. Like, they're going to be like, you, how you many move inches? the lighter colored ones. Yeah. Right. How many inches? Uh, you know, um, I, I already know that when I paint the Bismarck, I'm going to use the non historically accurate, um go for it yeah because it looks cooler like with the black and white uh contrast stripes that they had which apparently looks... were before it even went out to battle like that was in in port or so i forget the exact story i don't have the exact facts but that was not how it, they painted it when it went to battle which makes sense but damn it looks cool it looks cool and so. just i think that's another reason real quick because i know we're, we're finishing up but that i like the world war one is that like you know after the battle of like toronto like with the british like coming in and just like and pearl harbor just like you could just torpedo a whole fleet with airplanes it's like in world war one your fleet could just sit in the harbor and like you're good no right. one's gonna come in and like sink your whole fleet like the bismarck and like um what was her sister the Tirpitz. yes yep just like had to kept being moved because they're like we're just gonna bomb it like we can just blow it up from the air right in world war one it's like when we fight we'll kill each other and like submarines are like a thing but not quite yet yeah, that, World War One U-boats are not the World War Two U-boats, right? But it's kind of cool that they they were there though. Like it's a little weird. Like imagine talk about talk about crappy assignments. Imagine being on a World War One U-boat. Like I just can't imagine the claust- the endless claustrophobia that that might. If you've ever watched Das Boot, which I'm sure you have, like you'll get claustrophobia. And that's World War Two when like technology was advanced. The World War One U-boat, like I don't even understand. I don't even understand how they made those things work. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's like, imagine like you're 16 at the time you lied about your age and you're going into this. <laughs> what a great idea. Going, yeah. <laughs> you're going into this submarine, which is like this new, pretty much untested weapon. And it's like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Like this is what I'm doing. <laughs> Whether I like it or not, this is it. Um, the diesel engine, one of the most important inventions in history for warfare. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's the truth for sure. Uh, and they'll be used well into World War II. I mean, even, you know, 
not just the ships, but tanks, uh, you know, I'm not sure when we went from diesel to gasoline, but like, well, the modern M1 practically is a jet engine. So I don't even know. Like, I mean, this again, like I'm outclassed when we talk about the technical details of some of the military, I just can't do it, even though I find it fascinating and don't even get me started on moderns because that sounds cool too. But you know, one step at a time, (laughs) team Yankee, uh, you know, I'm a big flames guy. I always look, I scroll through the team Yankee stuff like, ah, who am I going to get to play with me? And the answer obviously is Spencer is going to play with me. So. I want, yep. I want leopard two so bad. They're okay. one of my favorite tanks. Just, just, in. just start buying the Germans and you know what? I'll go Soviets. It'll be fantastic. We'll refight the battle of Berlin uh, Done. just in 1986 <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, all right. What I, I feel like, look, I'm going through my list. Like we've covered a lot of stuff here. Um, we haven't really done like a scientific approach to naval wargaming, but I kind of feel like we've made the case that if you're not a wargamer, naval wargaming is probably the easiest to figure out. If you are a wargamer, naval wargaming is probably the easiest thing to like add to your plate. Yeah. Um, a couple of ships and just it doesn't, they don't take up much space and yeah, it starts out like this and you know, you read a couple books, you watch a couple movies and, and then, then you're making a spreadsheet. Yeah, because like you said, like it doesn't have the terrain, so it's it's that feel where like it's that you know like when you're playing a good D and D campaign, or you're even when you had that crappy scenery in high school, just in your head, you're like your your mind's theater is just like this is the coolest thing ever. Right. When everyone's on that, yeah. When everyone's on that level and having a good time, it doesn't matter that it's just a a blue tablecloth. Right. You guys are just like we're firing, especially because like some of the rules you don't get to you can't pre measure. So you have to write down how far you think it is and then you shoot. Oh, that, I mean, that's, and it's just like, all right, last time it was this. Or, yeah. Like, well, all right, I was wrong. It's, I guess I'll try. It's going to be wild. Yes. It's going to be wild. I, see that to me sounds so great. <laughs> like I know it sounds stupid, <laughs> um, but I love also, and just compliment to you, the amount of work you put into this stuff, uh, the books you read. I, no, I mean, look, it does take money. It takes time. It, you know, this hobby is not just, you know, there's so many ways to approach it and there's so many different facets to wargaming, but I think people don't naturally understand like the, 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 the education background uh, that goes in. Like if I start a new army or a new thing or whatever, like sometimes I want to read up on that. I want to, I want to understand, I want to understand the technicalities, even if it doesn't matter when we, when it comes to throwing dice, but you touch on something that's important. I think that we, we can wrap up on this. This is all in good fun. Right. Like yeah. it, it, at the end of the day, it's it's hanging out with friends and, and having a good time, throwing some dice and just saying like, you know, you won, I won. You know, it kind of doesn't matter. And I, look, I, I lose more games than I win. So it's easy for me to take that tactic. I, I, you know, I'm I sure some people the tournament. Yeah. You know, I did my. I, uh, sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Eric beat me with his Americans like I shouldn't have allowed that. He's learning. It's dangerous. Well, that's it. He's learning. He's dangerous. He used actual good American tactics against me. And guess what? The Germans folded. So that was, there you go. Now Eric has to come back on and defend himself, which is fine. The podcast will go on. Uh, But listen, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I think we've wrapped it up. Spencer, thank you very much. For Thank being, you so much for having me. I had a blast. Yeah, for being on a little lightning war. Uh, is there anything going on, like, you know, non-wargaming-wise in your world that, like, people need to know about, need to support? Like, do you have a charity 
or something that we should all contribute to or should it be like the wargaming fund is it going to be damn I, <laughs> I wish i had something so cool i was just going to be very narcissistic uh follow me on instagram at the spencer brown for my like artwork artwork oh well see there you go you do have this thing that's right like you have real artwork never mind the navy warships you have real I, artwork. i do do oil paintings as well yes plug and that then, again of please. course at the spencer brown on instagram that's where i post all my artwork all my wargaming stuff is at scapaflow1914 on twitter right. and i try to keep them separated to not just it just gets messy on the timeline otherwise and twitter seems to be a good place to engage with people all over the world yeah no again like most of my followers on twitter are like from the uk like no one from the u.s follows me except for my one buddy who's like i'll give you a follow right and, and me and he me. likes every he likes every tweet and i'm like thanks mike thanks yep this that, is, that's good this is why you're the best man at my wedding that's thank right. you there you go see you need somebody but no i agree i think twitter is very good for the wargaming community uh, i think it's very big ever since a little lightning war got its own twitter handle i was like oh my god there's a million people coming out of the woodwork like it's huge i had no idea um but anyway so yeah like there you go check out spencer's paintings at the spencer brown um on instagram i don't have insta so i don't i don't hunt speakers. i'm a little bit older it's all good i'm a little bit of a gray beard i always wonder like maybe i should get an instagram but then i don't know what i would do with it so we'll see um obviously you can keep in touch with a little lightning war at a little lightning war at gmail.com uh the twitter is a little lightny uh it stops at n and then i and then the number one because somehow it was too long but if you look up a little lightning war on twitter you'll find me um obviously this podcast is on spotify and apple and you know all most of the major places you find spot uh podcasts um again thanks to spencer this was great um and thanks to you my dear listeners uh, give me an email if you have any thoughts or suggestions I realize that there are a mazillion podcasts out there that you could spend your time with. I want to thank you for spending your time with this one. Have a great This is the best one. There it is. There it is. (laughs) And with that, we will say adios, amigos.